You know, I think we, uh, we have a great responsibility even in this time. When you think about generations, there are things that we can do to stand for our generations. And I think this is a very critical moment in history with where we are in our election, where we are with uh, candidates. Um, and there can be some confusion. And, you know, if you have the thought process of, you know, I really don't think that the church should be involved in politics or in the government, then you really have to stop and think where you got that thought. Because we should really follow scripture and not our own thoughts. And throughout history, we see how God's people have influenced government time and time again so a nation would begin to turn to God, even in the lands of Egypt, in lands of Babylon, in these different areas, God caused the people of God to infuse or inject themselves into the realm of influence of government so that they can begin to change their hearts. How many of you know that we need to be able to do the same thing? Paul was purposely put in jail so that he can speak to the council of Romans so he can preach to them. If it was not our job to preach or to tell people in government of who God is or to be involved, then God's main people in scripture would have never done it. And so it's our place as the people of God to get involved, not to be a Democrat or a Republican, but to be a Christian. And I believe that God called us to be a Christian and to be able to vote and speak out on our Christian beliefs. And I think it is important that we come together and say, what are the core things that we really need to be voting for? If this is uh, something that is striking you the wrong way, I, I just want to encourage you to keep an open heart and an open mind because the reason why this election is so important is because in the next 40 years, whoever gets elected will begin to um, set place in the Supreme Court that will really dictate the direction of our nation. And you say, oh, well, that's a bunch of fluff. It's really not. We've seen more in the last eight years than we've ever seen in 80 years as far as going in a direction where a nation more celebrates the things of the world and begins to numb us with their agenda than ever before. How many of you know that we need to stand up as the people of God? I think we have like how many days? We have three, two <laughs> if you're voting for the wrong person, you have four. <laughs> you, you can go. Go Thursday. Go vote. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing. I got that from Karen. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> this is the thing that we have to um, recognize that there are some core issues that, as people of God, we need to be convicted about. And uh, I want to put this up on the screen because this is black and white, and this is for us to know. <clears throat> this is something that you have to know what you're voting for. Not because of um, what the media says or if you like one candidate more than the other, or if you think one's not as righteous as the other. Let me remind you that in Scripture, God raised up people that were not righteous to do God's work at times. 
Scripture. Let me ask you, would you rather be around the Pharaoh that had Joseph by his side, or would you rather be around the Pharaoh that forgot about the people of God? It's your choice. The Pharaoh that had Joseph by his side surrounded himself with godly influence and had a whole nation turn to God. The Pharaoh that forgot about the people of God put the people of God into slavery because they forgot that their voice mattered. Amen? So let's look at this. Abortion on demand. You got to settle in your heart if you're for abortion or not. It is clear one is yes, the other is no. Well, you say, well, you know, it's just, I believe, uh, Roe versus Wade, it's the women's. Listen, we got to understand that when that right was put in place, we didn't have 3D uh, sonograms. We didn't have the, I remember when uh, we went and got and we saw Allie and Noah and Honors, how many weeks? Um it's it, by eight weeks, you can, they start to smile. By eight weeks, they start smiling. If you get a picture of Noah, I saw a picture the other day of the 3D image of Noah. It looks just like him. He's smiling in the womb. He's smiling. And they have detected that in eight weeks, they all have a thumbprint. They all have a certain DNA. They all feel that if abortions happen in that moment, that they cringe at pain. Some doctors believe in our almost proving studies where they are able to detect that the children or the baby, they're dreaming. Now, for you to make a statement that this is not a child, I would think that would be a very um, confusing conclusion. Because we don't need to go by what people say. We need to go by what the Bible says. And let's look at this for a second. In Genesis 12, no, we're not going to go there yet, sorry. Let's go Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. It says this. It says, speak up for the people who have no voice. If there was ever a time where children had no voice, even after nine months of taking a full baby, they're able to survive on their own after 24 weeks with help. But after nine months, a healthy baby cut them into pieces. We have to be against that. No matter what our views are, no matter how we think about one person or the other, as the people of God, we have to be against that. For the rights of all the down and outers, speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. Listen, don't think that when they're able to do this legally, which they already are, that they're going to turn up or raise the ante. When people begin to say, I know when people have the rights to live, they're also going to tell you when you have the right to die. So when you get older, and this is not some kind of crazy, um, you know, uh, theory. This is the people that are surrounding themselves with advisors 
to make their decisions have a certain mindset that you will lose your rights as a citizen, as a human. So when you think you should be on a respirator, they make the decision that you shouldn't be. We're not far from that. We're not far from that. How many of you know that we need to, listen, you should, you should if you have social media, tag this, quote it, put it on Facebook, because the more that we begin to stand for what is right, the more the blessing comes in our lives. How many of you know we're responsible? We're responsible. We can put that back on the screen. Repeat Obamacare. Federal tax increase, same-sex marriage. you got to ask, are you for that? Now, I want to be clear. I believe people that have same-sex marriage should have rights. I think everybody should have rights. I just don't think you need to change the semantics that marriage is a man and a man and a woman and a woman, that you have to, you have to know biblically we are one nation under God, and we believe that a marriage is between a man and a woman, Right? And so you have to, you have to, well, I just don't agree with that. Well, you got to take it up with the Bible. You got to take it up with Jesus because all through scripture is very, very clear. And if you deal with this or you've dealt with abortion, God can heal you. He can restore you. God forgives you, but it's not, God is not a God that just wants us to just um, whistle through the graveyard and pretend like everything's okay. That's when we start making God in our own image instead of saying, no, God, you are God, and I will serve you. Amen? We cannot make God in our own image. It's not going to work at the end of the day. We might as well start now. Same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage. I believe that we need to uh, have more Christian lights on the White House than we do at same-sex marriage lights on the White House. That when our patriots die, that we should celebrate that more than we do the people that have the right to have same-sex marriage. Come on. Come on. Let's think about it. God wants the people of God to have their rights. Common core. School vouchers, amnesty for illegal aliens, Iran nuclear deal. Now, listen, let's talk about this for just a brief second. I, we're not going to go into this. But this is the deal. you got to recognize that are, there are people that you're going to elect that are going to have an agenda of not supporting Israel. And there are people that are going to support Israel. You have to see who those people are, and if you are arming the people that are against Israel, shame on you. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not be ignorant and just do what everybody else is doing. you got to know who are for the people of Israel. You say, well, why does that matter? We should be just for America. No, let's read a scripture. First of all, Genesis 12, 2 through 3 says, I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make you famous and I'll bless you. Talking about the people of Israel. And I'll bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will curse those who curse you. Let's look at Psalms 122. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. It's telling us, pray for the people of Jerusalem. If you do, you're going to prosper. This is a promise. Listen to it. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be with you. 
For the sake of the house of the Lord God, I will seek, inquire for, and require your good. There's a blessing when you support the nation of Israel. Come on. Let's put this back on the screen. Don't, don't get all emotional and make dumb decisions. Because the media will make you emotional. Vote your convictions. Don't let other people give you the convictions that you know that you have. Get away with God and say, God, I want to do what is your will. Planned Parenthood. We already talked about abortion. And if you study that, what's behind Planned Parenthood, you'd be very shocked. Because there's an agenda, just like Pharaoh had an agenda to to wipe out a race, to wipe out a certain sect of people. Look at what's behind Planned Parenthood. Their agenda is to cause certain races to not multiply. Come on, study it. Let's not just hear people. Let's go to the source. Study it. How many of you know that the people of God need to be educated? Come on. We should repent for letting the world just go by without having an influence. Amen? First Amendment Defense Act. How many of you believe, even with the Second Amendment, that we should be able to be armed? Five of you, that's encouraging. I'm not going to your house when things break out. <laughs> I'm going to the ones with the hands uh, lifted. Listen, I believe that God's going to turn things around. I believe God's going to turn things around because the people of God begin to pray, stand in the gap, and pray for mercy for our nation. Can I pray over you today? Because I believe that God wants to. Be able to choose. In love. And with conviction. You know I. Have been concerned. Of just how far. We can move. And even the staple Christians that are like the top three most influential. I see them on Facebook and Instagram. And you can have your own convictions. Do what you believe. I'm not trying to lay law down on you. But how many of you know, listen, we're supposed to be a part of the world but not of it. So the things that God likes, we should like. And the things that God hates, we should hate. I, I saw prominent people dressing up for Halloween and dressing up like witches. Top pastors in America. Come on, man. Well, you don't judge them. No, we should judge in the house of God. That's what the Bible says to do. Now, I'm not pointing fingers and judging. I'm praying for them. But we have to wake up and realize that God wants us to be one way and the enemy wants us to just exist and be numbed down. It's like the frog in the boiling water. Just turn up the heat slowly, slowly, slowly till you got them. Can we pray today? Come on, stand up right where you are. And just lift your hands right where you are. God, we come before you as people of God and with authority that are bought by the blood of Jesus. And we come boldly into your presence. And like Esther, Lord, we come with a petition. And this petition is to begin to protect your people and your nation, God. Lord, we pray right now. On the behalf of this nation, 
that have allowed innocent blood to be spilled, that have allowed the rights of the those unborn, Lord, to be taken away from, Lord. We repent on their behalf, Lord. We repent. We stand before in between the porch and the altar, God, and we repent and we ask for mercy on this nation, God. We pray that as our children's go up, that there will be prayer in school, that there will be the Ten Commandments in school, that there will be your word that is in our government and in our land. Let this land and government, Lord, begin to glorify you. And Lord, we pray for the Josephs that are in the government right now, those that are at the right hand of those that are in power. We pray for strength in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for courage in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your righteousness arise, Lord, and destroy the plan of the wicked. We pray, Lord, let your people arise and protect your people, that you begin to confuse the enemy and those that have an agenda to kill us, Lord. Begin to confuse the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. We stand on your word that a thousand may fall on our side and ten thousand at our left hand, but nothing will come nigh our dwelling. Protect us, Lord. We are your people and hear our cry, God. We thank you that you will begin to turn the hearts of the people to to the fathers and the fathers to the children. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. If you agree with that prayer, give God a hand. Give God a shout. Come on, people of God. We need to make a shout. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. Bray, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Nice haircut. Looks good. Look at your name and say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, Leah and I, uh, we went away for our 12-year anniversary last week. It was a little early. I mean, it was awesome. We went to the mountains. How many of you know it's, it's, um, it's fun to just get around uh, nature and just get away. It's just peaceful. How many of you love the mountains? How many of you are, there are several people in here I know that you just hate the cold. You just want to stay in the south. How many of you are wearing jackets like and you shouldn't be wearing them? That's me. I'm putting on a jacket even though it's hot. Um, we were actually, uh, we, we loved going and we actually went to North Carolina. We traveled in the, uh, we went to trails in these different parks and just kind of, um, you know, just it was enjoying like the National Forest and things like that. And we've been through several trails and we usually look and see the ones that are uh, moderate or difficult or easy. We have been on the moderate side and uh, not too bad, but we decided, we didn't, I did, <laughs> and it's <laughs> been, been uh, repeated uh, very, uh, very currently that I decided to go on this trail that uh, was more in the difficult area. And, you know, it said that we should have taken a map. And I just thought we've done this before. There's signs, right? There's signs. You follow the sign. You get back. It says a loop. It says uh, this is called the Panther something loop. You know, so you make a loop, right? So I'm thinking, who needs a map? You don't need a map. You got the whole, you know, you follow the sign. It says bring you here. Okay. So we, we, we got there. And... Um, it was beautiful. You know, at the beginning, you see this panoramic view of the mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it 
you know, there's cold breeze, and you're just thinking, I'm ready to see nature and enjoy uh, life. So we're taking a trail, and, uh, and we're noticing droppings of a big, large animal, which made me nervous because I don't like bears. And, uh, and so we were crossing streams, and we get to a place that's really nice in the woods. We get to a place, there's like this little hut, and there's this guy that's like just laying in the woods enjoying his life. I thought, man, this is a great, if I lived there, I'd just do that. You know, he's just laid up and just kind of looking at the woods, and we're like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? And uh, he just so happened, he said, um, hey, y'all know where y'all going? And I was like, no, nah, not really. We're just kind of traveling. And so uh, he was like, hey, y'all got a map? I was like, nah, we don't have one. We're not going in. We're not doing anything crazy. We're just following the signs. He was like, well, you know, uh, you might, you, would you like to take a picture of the map that I have? And Leah was like, yes. And I was like, okay. So let's, let, we, we took that, we took that picture. And, um, and so I'm thinking, okay, this is, we, we started traveling. It was very beautiful. And we remember him telling us to take a left at a certain point because it was a, a shortcut, but it was, it was good. And, and so uh, it was Leah's idea to go left. So we went left, and uh, we started going that, that way. And she's, she's getting mad at me as we speak. Um, we started going this way, and, and all of a sudden there's a fork in the woods, no problem. We're just going to stay left, right? He said, left, we'll stay left. So we go to this fork in the woods, and we come out, and we come out at the end of a cliff. It goes nowhere. And I know that this is not part of the trail, because I'm not about to climb mountains. So we come back out, and we notice another left. And we're like, okay, we're just going to make that cut. So we go this way, and I'm noticing something's wrong, because what was once a trail is now, like, not a trail, <laughs> It's like getting thinner and thinner, but you can tell this is a place that people go, and I'm like, well, this isn't it, and we remembered a little uh, pink marker, and then we come out, and it's getting late now. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting time of, like, we should be heading back to the car. We just started the trail, and so we come out, and all of a sudden, it seems a little confusing because we forgot which fork we took. We didn't know where we are. You know, you hear about this. You know, you have people that warn you about this, and you're like, I know where I'm going. All of a sudden, there is a, uh, there is a panic. There is a panic of, I don't know where to go. Everything looks the same. I'm turned around in the national forest. This could be bad. There's bears. I just saw the, I just saw their dropping. This is bear. I did have a gun though. That was comforting. And we were sitting there. I thought I was thinking I might have to fire this thing for the guy that was hanging out to come find me because he was like, maybe I'll see you on the trail. And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. And then I started caring. Like, please God, let him come through the woods. Well, all of a sudden there was like this quick panic. Am I right? There was this quick panic. Leah started taking the lead. Uh, obviously, she probably should have, but she was like, I'm just heading through the woods, like, viciously, because I'm a little scared, so she's viciously heading through the woods, I'm like, where are we going, and I, I remember my dad saying, hey, well, if you get lost, you got to stop, you got to chill, you got to get your bearings, because if you're scared, you're, you're going to get lost, and it's going to be bad, so I was, like, I was trying to keep it together, I was like, I know where we are, we're good, just chill, relax, gosh, being overly dramatic, and uh, she really wasn't. I was feeling the same way, and uh, and I got we got our bearings, and we started to remember different markings that we saw, and uh, we made it out to this point. And do you know that every ten seconds we looked at that map, and we looked at try we tried to see where we were, and we followed the map every single step of the way, and I started thinking, you know, 
uh, when I was lost in the world, the big difference between I was, when I was lost and I gave my life to God, which was a supernatural experience, the biggest difference was that I was aware of God. When I gave my life to God, it wasn't just so much like I changed everything that I was doing, although that happened. I was aware of God, and I was aware of his ways. You know, when you're not living for God, you're not really aware of God, and the only time you're aware of God is when you're in a bind. But when you give your life to God genuinely, you're always aware of God, and he's there, he's there with you, and, and you have this sense of purpose, and you know where you're going, and you, you have this peace and a lot of times when you don't have a relationship with God or a genuine relationship with God, it can be like in the woods, like you don't know what you're doing with your life. You don't know where you're going in life. And although we didn't make it back when we did, it was a little difficult getting back. We at least knew where we were going on the map. There was peace. We knew the direction that we were going. And, and really when you give your life to God, this is really what it's like. You start being becoming aware of God and the things of God and you start getting led and you know that you're on the right track because it is like you're immersed in God and experiencing his love makes you think I'm all in. I want to identify with God. I want to be all in. I don't want to just have a little bit. I want all in of God because I'm proud of who he is. Come on, how many of you are just, you, you want to share the love of God because you are proud that you serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's made himself real to you. Wow, 20 of you, that's encouraging. Come on, how many of you love Jesus? You're so glad that he found you. I mean, it is in this moment when you begin to say, I don't want just a part of God. I want all of God. And it's a part when you get in his kingdom, you have this peace. You know that you're on the right. It doesn't mean things are easy, but you know that you're on the right track. You know where God's leading you to, and you're hearing his voice, and you're able to get back to where he tells you to go. And so really in our lives, when we give our lives to God, we are either going to be all in, or we're going to just kind of wander around our own way. And what I'm, I'm explaining this for is I'm really leading into the subject of baptism. Because baptism is something, even if you've been baptized, it is an ongoing revelation that is just really beautiful. And I believe that baptism, when we understand it more, that we're able to live a life in the kingdom of God like we have never had before. And so... Really, in baptism, that's why in baptism we get totally immersed in water because we want to be all in. See, if you came today, you didn't know it, but you're actually celebrating, um, celebrating new life, but you're also, we're at a funeral of sorts where we're saying goodbye to the old life. We're saying goodbye to the old life, and we're saying we're making a decision to be all in and that we can come out and have the life of God in our lives fully. Baptism is giving your old life a proper burial and celebrating your new life in the kingdom. Now, Jesus exemplified baptism. 
How many of you know if we're going to be baptized, we should follow Jesus' ways? Right? Let's look at the Bible and what it says about baptism. Matthew 3, 14 through 15. But John tried to talk him out of it. See, just to give you some context of Scripture, Jesus shows up, tells John the Baptist, which is his cousin. John the Baptist is baptizing people, saying, get baptized, repent of your sin, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus comes on the scene and says, John, you got to baptize me. And John's like, dude, I know who you are. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You should be baptizing me. He says, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. I want you to underline that word requires. So John agreed to baptize him. This is a scripture that has always kind of puzzled me. Because baptism is for those that have sinned. How many of you know that Jesus was the one and the only one that has never sinned? He is the spotless lamb. So why did Jesus have to get baptized if he never sinned? Why would he go to John and say, John, you got to baptize me? John's thinking, no, you need to baptize me. Why? If baptism is for the sinner to come out of darkness into the life, why did Jesus that had no sin have to get baptized? Why did he have to get baptized? And this is what I really want to bring home right now. Jesus got baptized because he was obedient. See, Jesus came to fulfill the prophets and the law of the prophets. So Jesus, in all of his obedience, fulfilled all of God's requirements because baptism is part of a requirement from God. This is part of a requirement. Now, how did John the Baptist know of baptism? Was this just he invented? No, John the Baptist didn't invent baptism. This was in the Old Testament. And when we begin to look at the Old Testament it, it's a word called mikvah. It is a, it is a Hebrew, Hebrew word. Study it. This was a baptism that they had to do in the Old Testament. Sometimes when Gentiles wanted to be Jews, what would happen? They would have to get circumcised, and they were baptized all the way in water, not sprinkled, baptized out of water, and then there would have to be a sacrifice for their sins. So this practice went on in the Old Testament. This was a practice, even with the priest, you would see in parts of outside in the temple, they would have baptisms where they would have to be totally submerged, and it represented you being cleansed of all your sins so that you can be purified. So this was a part of the history, it was a part of the Old Testament that Jesus came and fulfilled that we don't have to fulfill because he fulfilled all the commandments. Y'all tracking with me? So that he comes on the scene and says, you got to baptize me. And John the Baptist is like, why? And he says, so that all that God had has for me is required, or all is fulfilled. I fulfilled everything. Let's look at this scripture. Are you okay? Let's look at this scripture, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but fulfill. What does this mean? 
God was made perfect and fulfilled everything in the law so that when he died on the cross, you begin to have the benefits of what he obeyed and did. So Jesus died, fulfilled all the law, died a perfect death, a perfect life, no sin, so that sin can come on him so that you can have life. The cross, what a beautiful thing. I don't know during Halloween if y'all talked about the resurrection, but you should. It's probably the freakiest story you've ever heard. Jesus died. He goes to hell. This is in scripture. I didn't come up with it. Goes to hell, preaches the gospel to those that never heard the gospel in the Old Testament. Preaches the gospel to them, took back the keys of death, which the enemy had to hold everybody in captive, took back the keys to death to the point where when he came back up, then the whole people that accepted Jesus came out of their graves. You want a Halloween story? I just gave you one. Talk about that one next year. Came out of their graves. Yeah, give God a hand. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Came out of their graves and, fought and, and begin, patriarchs, begin to come out of their graves. I don't know if they were in clothes. I don't know what they looked like. They couldn't have looked good. And begin to preach the gospel of Jesus in the city. This is why people believed in God. People weren't believing in God when he got put on the cross. Peter denied him. People were leaving him. Nobody was for him. Why did people give their life to God? Because this kind of stuff was happening. People coming out of their graves and preaching the gospel. See, you're not saved because you believe in the cross. You're saved because you believe in the resurrection. You're saved that you believe that Jesus came back. This is when Jesus made himself evident to 500 people, and then they believed. This is why people said, I deny you, and then saw Jesus and said, I have to believe. And Paul said that same resurrection that we experience and that Jesus experienced, you get to experience. That you're able to experience the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, when Jesus died, the Bible says that you died with him. That your old man died. That's good news to me. That my old man that was slave to sin died with Jesus because it was as though I was there. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. First person, I am crucified with Christ. It is as though I am there. Now let's go to this scripture. Y'all okay? I am crucified with Christ. <clears throat> Let's skip over for a second to Romans 6, 4. It says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now so we may live new lives. Look at your neighbor said, you died with him. You were buried with him. Now you're alive with him. Do you believe it? I died with him, my old life is buried with him, and now I'm alive with him. And why do I do baptism? It says it was a requirement for Jesus. We understand that if you're not baptized, it does not mean that you're not going to heaven. That is a false theology. 
It would explain why the person on the next to Jesus, Jesus told him he wasn't baptized but believed in Jesus and said, I'll see you in paradise. So it is not an act that will get you into heaven, but it is an act of obedience. How many of you that know that when you begin to, the more you obey God, the more you begin to see his kingdom. The more you obey God, the more you're able to be entrusted with the kingdom of God. Now, I want to go into this. Y'all okay? If I can, I can have somebody come and play. Now, where do we see the obedience of baptism? Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. There's one. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptize them. So baptism was significant to Jesus. If I, if I knew I was going to die and go away, Michael, and I said, listen, I'm going to write you some things that I really care about within a paragraph. Can, you know, I, say I saved your life. Somebody came in here and was about to shoot you, and I took a bullet for you, and I knew it was going to happen, and I gave you a piece of paper. I would think you would be a good enough friend to say, I think what he said was kind of serious. Read it and obeyed it or listened to it or honored my death. Would you not? Jesus gives a short statement of when he knows he's going away to his closest disciples and says, go ahead, make disciples of all nations and baptize them. Now, this was a practice that was more practiced in our Christian society today. That when you were baptized, it was signifying that you identified with Jesus. You ever seen those bikers that are in a gang? They got the patch on the back. They wear that patch because they're identifying with the gang. When you get baptized, you're identifying with Jesus. See, people got baptized back in the day knowing that they would be identified with God and their life was on the line because people hated Christians. This is how significant baptism is with God and with Jesus because he says baptizing, the obedience of baptism shows that you're identified with me. How many of you just love God so much, you don't care, you want to just be identified? If it's God, if it's baptism, see, this says that I'm all in. So if one person today gets totally submerged, if one person today says I'm all in, today is worth it. Because this is not a flippant altar call to say, you know what, just, you know, come and, you know, no, God says, hey, I want you to, to begin to profess me around people. And this is a way that you're identified with me. We see it very clear through Scripture, Mark 16, 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Believing and baptizing was one thing that they did. When Peter came, and this is the last scripture I'm going to read. When Peter came after he denied Jesus and preached the gospel to 3,000 people, and 3,000 people said, I want to get right with God, this is what happened. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do to be saved? Another translation. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be. 
Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be. Sounds like a command. In the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not an act that will bring you to heaven, but is the first act of obedience for the Christian life. It is the first act of obedience in the Christian life. It is to repent and turn from your sins, confess your sins, and then get baptized. I'm scared that what Paul said was the fundamental elementary things of God that sometimes we don't even know in today in in, in Christianity. That if you haven't been baptized, maybe, and I'm guessing, it's out of because you didn't know about baptism But it is one of the first things that you obey in Christianity and a blessing comes with it. Are you saying if I don't get baptized, I I won't be blessed? No. I'm saying if you don't get baptized, you're skipping out on a blessing. If you don't get baptized, you're skipping out on a blessing because obedience always brings blessing. Come on, somebody. I'm going to read this and we're going to close. Jesus replied, John 14, 23, Jesus replied, all those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Man, I love that. See, when I obey God, when I obey God, God begins to make more of his presence my home. I become more aware of God. I come into another level. Now, I don't work for obedience, for approval. I do it because I know it pleases him. And I know that there's a blessing on the other side, even when it's difficult. Come on, this is what Christianity is. It's not easy, but it's right. It's right.